Hey, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll go around the NFL with Jason Lockton Four, and if Carville shows up, we'll see what picks T-Boy gave him, and we'll check in with Jeff Ma to see what his best bets are. But first, he sighs. Commerce. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I've never met Henry Winkler, but I have been told by a lot of people that he's a really nice person. Lovely. Oh, my God. Really nice. Unbelievable. You're like, you're not supposed to be this nice. Yeah. It's like Mark so- Hamill. Same thing. You're like, they're like really decent dudes. That's nice. They've, they've been through the weirdest thing in Hollywood, right? When you're sort of typecast for decades. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. People keep coming up to you. They could easily say, stop fonzing me. Fonz you. Right? You right. Know, or... <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Just love that. Love the notion of Fonz you. Just <laughs> think it's great. Absolutely great. Okay. <clears throat> there were the in-season tournament went on last night. I watched a lot of the Indiana game because it was before the football game. And so I watched it. I didn't really care about it. Tyrese Halliburton is a very good player. and Indiana won. They beat Milwaukee, which is a big deal. It's in Vegas. It was like half full because it started at 2 in the afternoon. It started at 5 Eastern. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch the second game at all. I don't, you know, I don't care about this in-season tournament. I'll be very brief about this. It's, it's, and I, I don't knock marketing people. I'm not Wilbon. It's very smart what they've done to create a buzz about the NBA in December when most people couldn't care less because it's just these... What do you think of the name? The in-season tournament. It's not the most creative name. I like it. Yeah, it's, but it describes accurately what it is. Uh, there's going to be a final between the Lakers and Indiana. And every member of the winning team is going to get $500,000. And for a lot of players, that won't mean anything. But for some, it'll be enormous. And so good. The, my objection to it is that it's taken from soccer, where it works for a different reason. In soccer, in European soccer, there are no playoffs. Whoever wins the league is the champion, and that could be decided with weeks to go, conceivably. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no playoff. There's no World Series. But in American sports, in the NBA, there's weeks and weeks and weeks of playoffs. That's all that matters is the playoffs. Nothing in the regular season matters other than as prelude to the playoffs. So what are you doing with this tournament unless you tie it into the playoffs? If you have a plan to tie it into the playoffs, tell me about it. I'd love to support it. But if not, it's just this sort of dopey, isolated thing with interesting-looking courts. Right. Interesting, but there's no new rules. There's no new anything. It's just games. Just games. It's just games. And the best teams, nobody will stand there and say Indiana and the Lakers are the best two teams in the league. Nobody's going to say that. The best teams didn't even play in it. They didn't care. Right. They didn't bother to qualify for it. So we'll get off that. And, you know, yesterday, by the way, uh, I should mention this. We were not on. December 7th a day that will live in infamy forever. Very few people alive anymore who remember December 7th and remember the speech by Roosevelt, they, you know, because it's a very long time ago. It's, you know, you'd have to be in your 90s to remember it, honestly. But we acknowledge it on this show. And we move now to a story that we had yesterday on PTI, a story that everybody's got. John Rahm. <clears throat> John Rahm has left the PGA Tour. And you'd say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal for a variety of reasons. One is that if he's not the best player in the world, he's in the top two or three. It's, you know, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm are the best three players in the world at the moment. And that's, that's a big deal because he's going to another tour. But that's not even the biggest reason. The biggest reason is that there were two people, more than any other two people, who vouchsafed for the PGA Tour. And they were two great stars. John Rahm and Rory McIlroy. And John Rahm used the word fealty. Said, I'm pledging my fealty to the PGA Tour. Didn't want the live tour, Saudi tour, because he said it's not golf. It's 54 holes. It's not golf. 
Roy McElroy was even more dismissive of the Saudi tour than Rom, but they were the top two. And now Rom has bolted to the other tour that he held in complete disregard. And now Rory has left the PGA Tour board and has basically said, leave me alone and just let me play golf. And has plans to leave America. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, and if you, well, I'm just going to turn to Michael. What do you make of this? It, the money figure is not nailed down, but it is as high as $600 million and as low as $400 million. So let's it just say it's small a, Yeah, change. let's just say it's in that three to 600 range, which, is, which has definitely been the increase since the low six figures that some of these other big-name players, the DJs and the Phils, who happily went over you know, a year and a half, two low years ago. Low seven figures. Uh, yeah, low seven figures. Sorry. That's a, a different yeah. stratosphere yeah. Uh, when you're entering this live, this live equation. No, I, I think... You are correct if this was a year ago, but everything changed from that early June meeting. So I think you have to throw everything that John Rahm has said in the past out the window because you talk about fealty and you're seeing senior management and a tour that has shown no such loyalty, fealty, connection, uh, concern, respect, concern yeah, for, players. for its players. For the labor and, force. Uh, you, you look, yeah. you've never seen a more divisive tour where you have the rank and file players who goes, wait a second, we're the ones who are making the week in and week out tournaments meaningful and we're the ones who are filling out fields and providing drama. We understand that John Rahm and Rory McIlroy are in a different category of player and star power, but you're now trying to find ways to just unload piles of cash, whether it's the player impact program, whether it is elevated events. So when you look at Rom's comments, some of the events on the PJ Tour are no longer going to rec- are, are no longer going to resemble what he might think of as traditional golf. And when they say traditional golf, they really just mean four majors. So as long as those stay the same, as long as those are you know you know still seventy two holes or still have the cut that they promised to have then I think he's still playing the game that he, he always has wanted to play. I want you to explain this to the people. The majors matter. They matter more than anything else to all the players. If majors, if there was a major out there that was determined only by world ranking points and Saudi Tour players were ineligible for world ranking points, that might make you reconsider whether you wanted to do this. But explain to people why John Rahm has no fears about majors. So what's, what is a major that he won, I don't know, the second week of April this past year? The Masters. The, the Masters. So the Masters is is the major that rules all, and in many ways, it's the easiest major once you have won it to win it again, or at least place high enough in it while you're still in your prime or close to your prime. Think about Freddie Couples, where you can sneak into exemptions for the other majors if, for some reason, you fall far enough down the line. But having won that major, John Rahm is fully exempt for a number of years. This is why Phil Mickelson... Five years of all majors. This is why Phil Mickelson, four. months back, goes like, I'm not worried about me with the world ranking points because I'm exempt. I'm fully exempt. And I'm at 50... At the time, he was 51, I believe. So, uh, yes, it, it makes it now easier... This is the this is the worry. There's no jeopardy for Rom. There's no jeopardy, and now it becomes a lot easier for other players to want to follow Rom's pursuit. And you and I were talking about this last night. This very much feels like a hostile takeover at the board level, where you're going to try and flip one or two seats at a time. And if you're the Saudi tour, let's just say it's let's say it's four hundred million dollars. Where again, Rom was on the record saying four hundred million dollars not going to change my life. Yeah. Uh, but change most lives. Yes, change his. most lives. Yes. But if you're if you are the leadership on that side, you say we'll spend let's just say four hundred million dollars. Is that going to tip the scale where the PGA Tour, which we have valued in the billions, now feels required to act in good faith with us? Because we feel like over the last six months they just used us to stop the legal proceedings, and they've been trying to find any what they would call clean money, easy money, American money to try and avoid the pressures that they were facing. So there are two very specific questions that need to be asked. The first one is there's a deadline in just a few weeks, December 31st, of passing the originally negotiated merger between the Saudi Tour and the PGA Tour. It seems to me that if the Saudi Tour was this aggressive in getting John Rahm, they don't think this is going to pass at all. Do you think... This is going to pass. I think they're trying to find another company, whether it's the Fenway Sports Group, to basically be the face of this and then to quietly take the hush, you know, essentially the hush money uh, from the Saudi tour. And this is just putting the, the pedal down to the floor saying, we got Rom, we can get anyone else. But at a certain point, even if you give Rom a team, I guess we, they've already got the, uh, they got the range goats, they got the rippers. If we're going with the, the Rombo rats. Who cares about this? Uh, <laughs> Who cares about? Yeah. These so again, teams? this could be yeah. for them if they're worried about getting that actual asset. Four hundred million dollars isn't that big of a deal given what they're after. Okay. And the second question that I think needs to be asked: 
is there's obvious displeasure, vocal displeasure on the part of many, many players, including star players like Tiger Woods, about how this deal was made without even considering the players. Negotiations were done. Players were not, they were not involved. I think Jay Monahan has to go. I think if I had a magic, magic wand and could do one thing to restore the harmony in golf, if I could, mine would be the symbolic axing of Jay Monahan to clear the air and see if I could get the players back. What are your thoughts on that? Is the mess now at such a level where you actually need Monahan to come to some resolution with all these moving pieces, and then you can have the clean break and separation as you start to rebuild the trust? I mean, right now it looks like, in many ways, the the, the worldwide tour that Greg Norman envisioned in the early mid '90s that turned into, you know, the WGC events on the PGA Tour. It actually seems closer to reality as you try and figure out if they do come to some agreement, and you think about how players can go from PGA Tour events to DP World events to live events and and really play a a worldwide schedule. Uh, So maybe the next commissioner is going to be someone who helps sell that vision while you let Jay Monahan clean up this mess. Do you envision that liquidity that players will be able to go to any single tour they want, wherever they want, whenever they want? I think in a, you know, in a, in the best of all possible worlds, you'd love to see that because you'd love to see the players have that right. And you think about what does, let's say, a player who is from Australia, what do you give up to try and have to play events that are mainly focused in the United States? Uh, the problem with that is TV. Like if you are a, if you are at ESPN and you spend a lot of money on on the PJ Tour Live uh, asset for uh, the early round coverage, and you now look at this and go, wait, we've lost. Cam Smith, who is this huge up-and-coming player. We've lost, obviously, Phil, but he's in, in sort of looking back. We have, have Kepka, we have DJ, we have Not John as big Rom. as Rom. Rom big. Um, that's one of the names that you'd always want to have in your featured you know, pairings that you'd have in these weekly events. You start to say, this is not necessarily the terms that we agreed to when, when we made all these deals, but... Does it get worse before it gets better, or does it get better pretty quickly now? Oh, I think it gets much worse. I think you'll oh. see more... Play- I think the, the first wave of players that left uh, were the sort of the, the guys who were already on their way Older out. Guys. I think now it has paved the way. Even Rory said this. It's like the first guys made it a lot easier for anyone else to leave. So John Rahm's getting a team. You have to fill out the team. This seems like it's going to have big Ryder Cup implications, particularly on the European side. You'd want to have some of your friends with you. Uh, so maybe it gets worse in this immediate now. And then imagine how crazy that Ryder Cup at Beth Page could be. You could have Phil back. Phil got this one right. Phil has gotten everything right. All the way down the line. He's gotten everything right. Yeah. You know, it's too bad he can't get on a television network <laughs> because he'd be very, so very the good. Big, uh-huh. the big question for you, what do you think of uh, the Letterman jacket, the varsity jacket? I didn't see John it. John Rahm, you didn't see the, uh, didn't see the, the jacket, jacket he wore? Oh, no. you got to pull it up for Is him. Is it like Arizona State? No, no, it's a, it's a all-black live golf jacket. Oh, it's it's from his new team? No, it's, it's, just, it's just team? the league. Yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, it looks like on the background, it's, you know, be true to your school. I have lost respect for John Rahm. Just like you would to your tour. Yeah, oh. I've, I've lost. On the right? Oh, okay. Okay. I've lost respect for John Rahm because I believed John Rahm. When he stood up and he said, this thing isn't golf. Unless they make an announcement, they're going to 72. I've lost respect for John Rahm. You know, he, uh, he was out there flacking for the PGA Tour. And I wanted to believe him. And I did. And I, I, I honestly, Michael, I can't see any other reason for him to have done this than the money. Uh, I can't. I would think he even he even would say, yeah, they made me an offer I can't refuse. But you also take a look at, so signature events with which they are going to have to figure out a way to lessen the impact of those on the entire tour because you now have, I would say, the majority of tour players who look and say, if you get into a signature tour event, you are getting more FedEx points to finish lower down than I'm getting if I finish you know higher up or at the same spot anywhere else. So essentially, you're, you are already creating tours within a tour. So I think that that trust has already been lost in terms of the real golf or not real golf. The PGA Tour is already experimenting, whether it was no-cut events or now we might see different team events. So the world of golf has changed, and you might say there's a handful of tournaments. And again, Ron would put the majors in those categories yeah. that you would say is real golf or golf that you're used to seeing. Right, we'll take a break. Jason Lockenfora, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is sent to us by marty o'neill who writes i've lived in annapolis for years but i grew up only a few miles from camp kiyuma and I never go tired of your Echo Lark, Orson Binghamton, and I-81 stories. <laughs> I'd be honored if you'd add my latest release, The Queen's Clothes, to the show's original music rotation. I started recording music quite late, being closer to you in age than to Michael, but I found great joy in the process. This is my second project after last year's four-song EP. I wrote the music and lyrics, and the tracks were produced under the watchful and brilliant eye of Buddy Spires, owner of 38 North Studio in Falls Church, Virginia. Thanks for many years of enjoyment. I appreciate the guests. My favorite is Richard Justice. Your ability to weave in culturally relative, relevant openings and your well-prepared interviews like Mitch Album. You know, and then spending time talking about Michigan football with him. It's great. Thank you for your support to indie artists. You and the gang have given me so many years of entertainment. This is called The Queen's Close. It's by Marty O'Neill. It plays in Jason Lock and Four, and I'm supposed to say we're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Four, a host of the podcast in the huddle, covering the entire NFL. Now that I'm done having to say everything I had to say, let me get to... I'm not going to get to the game first, the last night's game. I'll get to it eventually. But there are two games this week that really stand out. Buffalo and Kansas City and Philadelphia-Dallas. And it really seems, with the exception of Dallas, it really seems like all of these teams have played a whole bunch of hard games lately. And here's another hard game. Is there anything critical here in these games? Well, I mean, the Buffalo Bills need to win this game, I think, to um, be able to get anywhere close to what we're accustomed to them to them doing. And they're not going to run away with that division, and they're not going to win 14 games, and they're not going to contend right. for the one seed. But if they get in, they can be really dangerous. But I, I, it's going to be real hard to get in if they don't um, kickstart that this weekend, coming out of a bye with um, – a great performance that ends with them scoring at least one more point than the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, and I think they can certainly do it. They've, you know, do I think they made the offensive coordinator walk the plank and he was a bit of a scapegoat? Yeah, but they have scored 66 points in two games yep. without him, and they've altered the scope of that offense a bit, and they're um, leaning more into the run game, and they're activating Josh Allen's legs more, and. Um, I think they're going to be a handful for the Chiefs. Neither of these teams can stop the run. Uh, I I still think, despite what I think will be a a run-heavy script for both of them, I still think we can get enough points to push us over in this game. It's one of the few games this weekend being played outdoors that doesn't look like um, rain, wind, snow, um, you know, mucky fields. I, I don't think we're going to be dealing with any of that there. So yeah, it should be it should be a heck of a football game. Patrick Mahomes has been better at home than the road. There's no there's no uh, two ways about that. Uh, but I I just it's really hard to buy their offense right now, and I think the Chiefs um, don't have the same sort of offense. Don't don't have as as much trust in as many people on offense as the Bills probably do. Uh, but again, um, Buffalo's defense probably has a few more issues. Than Kansas City's, uh, I I think Josh Allen's going to do some pretty special stuff here. The final five weeks of the season. Okay, what about the other game, Philadelphia Dallas? Yeah, um, you know this is kind of an interesting spot here. The Eagles, if they could win this one, their schedule looks at least on paper like it takes a dramatic turn for the better 
after this game, but it also feels like maybe they're being set up a little bit here because of the gauntlet that they've run Yes, versus what Dallas has faced because of the fa- the fact that Dallas is on extreme uh, extra rest. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, Dallas is staying home and the Eagles are traveling. And, and this matchup has been pretty rough for the Eagles, even under iterations of their defense that was, were more balanced and effective than this one. I mean, the, I think that you look at what the uh, – Cowboys have done facing the Eagles at home when Dak Prescott is their quarterback and they're putting up 40, 41, 37, you know, I think 29 is like a a low point for them. I I just think the Eagles better have their track shoes on because I I don't think they're going to be able to hold Dallas in Dallas off extreme rest um, in in total health. I don't think they're holding them under 30. I, I mean, Dak Prescott has torn this defense up. Dak Prescott tore this defense up on the road in, um, you know, in November in Philadelphia just a few weeks ago. Now, somehow they only scored 24 points, and then you can look back at some of those trips in the red zone, uh, especially in the second half that ended up with no points and kind of scratch your head. But uh, the Eagles can't defend the slot. C.D. Lamb and, and I think Ferguson, the tight end, go off in this game um you look at a i mean dallas is scoring 40 points a game at home on everybody now they might regress a little bit against this opponent but regression is still probably 33 points so right um yeah i i I think it's it's a tough spot for the eagles um and maybe they still find a way to win and you know, maybe they they do remind us all that hey, we win a, a hell of a lot of football games with our quarterback too. But more than anything else, I, I just think that Dallas is going to come out throwing. I don't think Dallas is going to worry about establishing the run. I think Dallas is going to want to try to throw themselves to an early lead against the defense that showed it was kind of the path of of least resistance. Again, even in that game, the Eagles won. And certainly, you look at what the Forty ers did. Um, I mean, they've allowed 27 passing touchdowns. And you look at Dak Prescott at home, he's putting up three and four touchdowns on everybody. Game, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, 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 that's tough stuff. Um, okay. All right. so yeah, I mean, look, I think this might be a decent little spot for Dallas. And I'm not a big Dallas guy, you know that. But, but this might be a spot where they win. Again, it's at home. That's a big deal. Uh, I, I still don't think Dallas goes on the road and beats good teams in, in January, but we'll see. All right, I'll switch gears completely, and I understand that Aaron Rodgers is not playing. Mm. So, but I want to say, does Robert Sala have any idea what he's doing on offense? No, no. I don't. I don't. I don't right? think he's. A, I, I mean, not, the the people who stand for this guy and and tell me, you know, that he's an NFL head coach, I just like, okay. I mean, you're entitled to believe what you want. I think he's defensive coordinator. Sure, I don't think he's a head coach. Um, I. I, I, they're they're a mess, man. They're 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 a mess. I I I just don't think anything changes there when Woody Johnson is the de facto leader. I, I it it doesn't inspire real um, confidence. He's not a leader. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's proven. That's a. I mean, that's just a proven fact. It's kind of one experiment or the next, whether it's from the the, the team management um, and sort of coach and GM arrangement or from the personnel side, it, I, I don't buy anything they sell. Um, <laughs> That's fine. That's yeah, fine. I'm moving on. Because I, I, you know, like, I don't think he knows what he's doing on offense, even a little bit. I, I just, I simply don't. But I'll move on to last night's game. He's got Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive yeah, coordinator. Just, I mean, I think there's your answer. Yeah. New England and Pittsburgh. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Um, made me sad. <laughs> you know, although I will say that it was a you know, much better game than yes. I expected. Yep. Much better game than I expected. But it sort of made me sad. You, you, th- you don't think Belichick will be there next year, do you? No. Right? No, I don't. I don't, and I'm not sure where he lands. And the more, the closer we get, and the more this comes into focus. And, and I did write about this a little bit at the Washington Post recently. Like, I, I people I trust, and and some people who will be a part of some of these hiring processes, 
they're, they're not sure there's a seat at the table for him. And I, I thought it was interesting late in this broadcast because you know how this works, Tony. And there's, there's production meetings. And Al Michaels has been around forever. And, you know, uh, he obviously knows Belichick. And that's a guy Belichick would talk to. And they start kind of spinning these yarns about, you know, what Bill might and might not want and what might and might not make sense for for Kraft. And, and, you know, they almost kind of framed it as how much power Belichick's going to have in this whole thing. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure that's the case. Right. Like, I, I think he might find that his sales pitches and what he has to offer at this stage of his career and life might not mesh with the vision that many of these people who run these teams, and by that I mean owners, have for their franchises. And it's not that you can't find a role for a Bill Belichick in your franchise. Of course you could and probably should. But what is that role, and what does that do to the other people around me and this organization, and what does that look like, and how long is he really stuck in for this? And, you know, if it's not coaching, could he really, like, disassociate himself with the coaching thing while he's this close to Shula like I'm not sure like there's a great fit there and I'm not sure he's going to be um, maybe quite as persuasive a- as he thinks he's going to be so it's it's going to be fascinating to, to see how this plays out and he will try to keep arm's length publicly and try to act like he's not engaged with anybody or you know it's just um Things happen or they don't, but I think it might be a bit of a of a cruel winter for him. Okay. All right, let me move on to another sport. Did the people in Baltimore watch baseball? Why would they get Craig Kimbrell? He stinks. He stinks. Well, he had a tough um, run of it in the postseason, and if you look at his postseason career, for some reason his whip uh, jumps up by 50%. I mean, this is a guy who's pitched a long time in this league, and he's got a career, you know, whip in the regular season under one, and it goes to almost one five in the postseason because he has twenty walks in thirty career postseason innings. Um, I'm not convinced he's going to be the closer here, or that he'll have to be the closer over the course of a long season. Will they tell him you're our closer? Will they bring him in and, and trumpet the four hundred career saves? Of course, and they don't have really an old head or veteran presence in there bullpen and you get him for one year and then Felix Batista comes back and if it works out and you have this option great but I I, for what their needs are I don't I don't mind this at all you know them going and giving five years to a relief pitcher really doesn't make sense they've found relief pitchers all over the place they've created them from their own system they found them on waivers um, failed starters and with their again their other needs at areas that do cost you more I, I I'm totally cool with this I mean you 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 look at some of the advanced metrics. I don't like the hard hit rate. No, I don't like the fly ball rate, but I think in this ballpark, especially if you've got things geared towards left field, fly balls are fine. He's still got a lot of swing and miss. I mean, but we're still talking about an elite strikeout rate. Um, you look at the league. What they He's a two-pitch pitcher, right? I mean, it's, it's fastball. Every time ball. he went out on the mound, he lost in an important playoff game. He lost. He isn't yeah. any good anymore. Well, I wouldn't say that. He was still an, an all-star. He he did still, again, okay. the league, I think, hit like 182 off the fastball and like 190 off the Boy, curve. He looked, I mean, he looked Can you sequence things a little better? Yeah. Look, look I don't, he, can't, he can't give out as many free passes as he has in the postseason. There's right. no doubt about that. But I also think the, what he was asked to carry in Philadelphia, I think this is a better bullpen. I think this is a bullpen you can mix, mix and match a okay. whole lot more. Um, I don't believe by October that they are going to have to live and die with him pitching every night. They shouldn't because that's a bad situation. I think he can fit in a couple of different ways. But D.L. Hall, uh, Wells, Cano, Perrette, they've got a lot of options. And Mm. they, they did need somebody, though, who has been through the wars. And this guy, I mean, and again, he hasn't won them all, but he has won a World Series. And... What, he's been a part of nine playoff series? Uh, I'm sorry, 13 playoff series over nine different years. Um, these guys don't have anybody who's pitched well in the bullpen, in the playoffs on their entire roster, except for Wells and Hall. So 
right. um, I yield. I yield I'm to fine you. With it. We'll see. Um, I get. Look, I, I have to. I have to defer to these guys in this front office and a lot of what they did. And uh, I think he checks a lot of boxes for them. I think he'll be a really useful arm for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay. Thank you, Jason. You got it, guys. Have that was Odyssey NFL Insider, although we talked about baseball, Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you got your podcast. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Jason. Uh, we'll take a break. Carville, maybe. Ma, for sure. Oh, Carville's, Carville's, Carville's checked ready. in. He's Carville's checked ready. in. ready. When yes. we come back, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, you wake up in the morning, boy. The only person in the history of this podcast with his own walk-up music. <laughs> Just amazing to me. It's James Carville. This week's picks with James Carville and Jeff Ma brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. This is Midnight Special, not the Johnny Rivers Midnight no, Special. No, this is Paul Evans. Yeah, the original one. James was 6-3 and three last week. Hit big late on the 49ers double play. Winning that game, 49-44-1 overall. You're making money with James Carville. What do you like this week? We got no college games. You were so good on college. What do you like this week? Well, uh, this is a little bit out of my expertise, but I'm, I'm going to start with Army minus three. Over Navy? Yeah, I'm torn because I was <clears throat> born in an Army post. Right. Fort Bennett, well, it was Fort Benning. I think not Fort Moore, but I was in the Marine Corps, which was part of the Navy, so... But I'm, I'm going to go with the, I'm going with the dog. Okay. I don't know why. I like the dog. Army minus okay. three, right? Minus three. Go ahead. What else? All right. Uh, Lions and Bears. The Bears are 3.5. Uh-huh. So I'm going to double up on the Bears. You're going to take the Bears over the Lions with three and a half points. Double a play. Bet. A, okay. a double play. Okay. What are you seeing in the Bears that the rest of us aren't seeing? Well, the two best touts I know. Yeah. Whenever I get convergence, I'm going to start taking a double. Okay. My guy and the other guy, but the guy and the other guy, when they got, you know, I mean, you got to have a guy. Yeah, everybody's right? got a guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a guy. <laughs> uh, Colts and the Bengals. Colts and Bengals. Go ahead. Over 43 and a half. Over 43 and a half. You missed, you know, you got one over, you missed one last week. They were both in college, I think. But you got one and you missed the other. Colts and Bengals, even though they have both teams, do not have starting quarterbacks, right? They have substitute quarterbacks. You're going over. Yeah, they got substitute defenses, too. Okay. All right. And that 43 and a half is not a high score in NFL. Right. Uh, Rams and the Ravens. Yes. I want the Ravens minus four at halftime. What, Ravens <laughs> minus four at halftime? Yes. Okay. You so, can make that bet anywhere in the United States. Okay, so that is a bet that, is a bet that we, we just check in at the half, and if the Ravens are up by five, you have won that yes. bet. Okay. You go, man, you're smart. You know that? Yeah, <laughs> people tell me. People tell me. <laughs> Go ahead. What else? Broncos, Chargers. Yes. Broncos take the three points. Broncos plus three, taking the Broncos. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chargers are the most disappointing team in the entire league. They stink. They're, they're, they're the California Angels. They, yeah, they, you're right. You're right. They need they to fire this coach. They're, they underscore all the time. They underperform all the time. Okay. They look good on paper. Yeah, well, you don't play it on paper. What else? Okay, and for the final pick, and this will be a double play. Okay. The Buccaneers and the Falcons. Right. Over 40 and a half. Take it. Take the over. Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Even Atlanta's not a high-scoring team, but you're taking it this time. Over 40 and a half. Yeah, 40 and a half is a, is a reflection of... Uh, a low-scoring team That's in the right. game. That's right. They, they're picking that out, too. Yeah, well, you know, they're smarter than I. Did you, did you, last night, would you have taken the over or the under? The under was so low, 30. 30. Would you have taken it? Well, I was watching the Pelicans get the snot beat out. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Lakers beat them by 50. That, yeah. was not, right. that was not, 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 not good. No. Not good at all. I, and I was pumped going into the contest. You know, like yeah. I, thought we, I thought we could do it. 
no, no, no such, no such luck tape. So we got to see if Jaden Daniels wins. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. Here's the tape. Here's the tape. Play it. I took a, a sh- should have gotten more, but at, at 12 to 1, I do like Jaden Daniels. Uh, there you go. That's early, early, early on. At 12 to and 1. And now you think you're going to win, right? I mean, I think he's going to win. It, it, it seems like uh, the AP player of the year, he got 35 out of 51. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, the Johnny Unitas Award. He, this is a little bit like the Cat of the Golden Globes, or, yeah. you know, to, to something like that. But I, I think he's going to win, and I think we're going to just be able to add a nifty 12 to our total, which will be nice. That's very nice. All right, we'll talk to you <laughs> next week. Thanks, James. All right, bye-bye. James Carville. Don't understand half of what he says, but it's okay. Just, there's a couple of half half point shaves that he's sneaking in there and seeing if anyone notices. So all of them, your local, your local, <laughs> all of them, might half have point. Different yes. numbers. It's, I mean, it's okay, you know. I mean, it's we're we're okay when he does these things. While we're calling up uh, Jeff, mom, may I say a quick shout out to call your mother and Andrew Dana? Sure. Grandma Carol brought over some latkes for the boys. Yeah, they're last very night. nice. Very uh, nice. Yeah, the boots. He was a big fan, so thank I'm you. I'm very happy about that. Very happy about that. Carville. Um, I did double plays. I, you know, over, under. Nobody no, has ever no, on the this show four at the half. gone halftime. Yeah. Nobody has ever gone halftime of that. Do we have Jeff Ma? We do. And before, and you just mentioned the lockers. I just wanted to wish uh, Happy Hanukkah. Oh, yeah, to everybody. Happy there. Hanukkah. To everybody. Yes. It's one of the holidays. That, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all of them. Yeah. All of them. Yes. Celebrate them all if you can. Uh, Jeff Ma joins us now. Jeff had a good week. Jeff was four and one. He has, he has reached Mount 500. He's 34, 34, and 1 at the moment. And before we get into your picks this week, can we talk about the college football playoff and the spreads there and what you think of the early lines there? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's been a lot of controversy um, in terms of them leaving FSU out. Right. You guys had Booger on earlier this week, and he talked about how he talked to a friend at uh, DraftKings or FanDuel or one of them and said, you know, like, Georgia would be favored over the field. And yeah, FSU would definitely be a big underdog in any of these games that they're in. And, and yes, Georgia would probably be favored over this field. Um, it's not necessarily how they should make the choices, but I think your point around the sort of recency bias or the availability heuristic where, you know, we as humans uh, ascribe too much probability to something we can readily imagine, meaning they imagine. Uh, TCU getting blown out, and they imagine Cincinnati getting blown out, and they say, screw this, most deserving. We're going to do That's what right. makes for the best games. Yep. And they ultimately brought in what they did. So you have pretty small spreads. You have Michigan minus one and a half over Alabama. Um, this seems like a bit of an overreaction. Um, Alabama was a five-point underdog to a Georgia team. Um on a neutral, and now they're only a one and a half point favorite, a one and a half point underdog to uh, um, a Michigan team that was thought to be, you know, pretty close to where Georgia was. Um, I think the problem with Michigan is nobody really knows how good they really are, how good their offense really are, is because of how bad some of the competition and some of the games they've played. Um, but this does seem like a short line when you had a situation where Alabama um, should have lost to Auburn. And they're out of the playoffs. They lost a couple more games this yeah. year. They're out of the playoffs if they, if Auburn plays defense like real people. They're <laughs> out of the playoffs. So yeah, okay. And then the Washington game is the weird one because as we talked about, Washington is this team that um, I think went down in a lot of analytical systems after their first um, their first Oregon game because they didn't seem to play. They they seemed to play very much to their competition, although they didn't lose a game. They had a lot of games where they performed pretty poorly, whether it was against Arizona State where they just barely won or, you know, uh, USC where they were outplayed for a lot of the game or, you know, even uh, Washington State where they just barely won. So, again, this is one of those, does Washington just play up to its competition? Because certainly it's two games against Oregon were very good. But um, I tend to like Texas in this game, minus the four. Um, you know, hopefully it comes down some, but... Um, Texas, to me, seems like the team that, um, of all the teams right now, the Final Four, if I were to pick a future, that that might be the future I would pick. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. What do you got for us this week? All right, we're going to go with all NFL because we only have one college game, as we know, and and that college game is 
uh, you know, the, the over-under, that's 27 and a half. And, you know, like in the service academy games, I always want to take the underdog. But um, I'm just going to stick with the NFL. I'm going to take the Bears plus the three and a half against the Lions. Uh, we saw this game a few weeks back. The Bears, the Bears have actually played really well. And Justin Fields has played much better than people realize, where I think it'll be an interesting question about whether they draft a quarterback or, or not. Um, but I like them plus three and a half. Carville just yeah. took them, and I said, have you watched them lately? <laughs> and he said that his two favorite touts in the world both converged on this, so he was taking it and making it a double play. The same, you, you're taking them too. Okay, what else? I'm going to take the Bucks plus the one over Atlanta. Uh, this line was a little bit higher earlier. It's come down, and it's, I think it's come down mostly because there's some some smart money on the Bucks and um, like them to win this game outright against Atlanta. Carville took that on the over. Yeah, I've actually got that um, Buccaneers getting two and a half. Would you like that? Oh, yeah, I'll take would. the two and a half. Okay, sure he would if he's taking Tampa. What else you got? Uh, the Bills. What do you got on the Bills, Nigel? Uh, the Bills uh, getting one at Kansas City. Oh, okay, so I'll take the Bills plus the one. It does seem like a short line. Um, well, but, he gave it to Chuck Todd at two and a half. Well, it's it mo- came down that much. It's moved considerably. Wow. So, yeah. How do you count for that, Jeff? Well, I, I well one two and a half to one is not as big of a move as you would think. Like not all one and a half moves are created equal. Anything under three, as you move to zero, it becomes less and less important. Okay. Um, I, I think Kansas City is has real problems on offense. I mean, their defense is is very good, um, but you know, there's certainly Kansas City needs this game, but Buffalo needs this game more. Yes. And there's there's that notion, and then and then Buffalo, you know, has played pretty well since they're, they've been in a team that you know because of their expectations, everyone has said they've you know they've underperformed, but they've played pretty well recently. Certainly, in the last you know the, the game against Philly, they should have won in Philly. Um, I think this is a game where they they show and they win this game outright. Lock and Fora feels the same way. Feels they're scoring a lot of points when they changed offensive coordinators. He feels the same way. What else you got? I'm going to take Dallas minus a three and a half over Philly. This this sort of scheduling spot for Philly Oof. between the Niners and Dallas has, has been pretty pretty challenging, and I think this will be the end of that for them. Meaning, you know, they will have a chance to sort of relax and, and reboot after this. But I think this is just a tough spot for them. Dallas has extra rest. Philly's coming off that really tough game against um, the Niners, and yeah, the defense a- has been on the field a ton. Um, and you know, three and a half. There's a reason for that. It's, you know, it's. it's uh, I think Dallas wins this game by, you know, maybe a touchdown or whatnot. I mean, obviously Philly will be there in the playoffs, and certainly Dallas will be too. But I, again, sometimes during the regular season, you just get into these spots that are tough. And they were in one last week against San Francisco, and they're winning one here against Dallas. Okay. Again, lock and four. Same sort of analysis on that. Great minds thinking alike. Mine lock and four. What what else? One more for us. I'm going to take the Bengals minus the one over Indy. Um, I you know obviously the Jake Browning kind of came out of nowhere and but the Bengals again have have talent um, and they seem to have kind of rallied around Jake Browning and at home against Indy. Indy certainly a team that has surprised and Shane Steichen very much like so. a, a very very good coach. Um, you know maybe some of the keys to that success over in Philly, um, but. Again, just in this situation with the Bengals in a short line and, and Indy on the road, um, after having played so many good games in a row, I'll take the Bengals. That's, uh, you know, that's a game. That, that's not an attractive game to me. I think it's attractive to gambling people. But you got two substitute quarterbacks. You yeah. got, I don't know, but I, I do, I agree with you, Jeff, that Cincinnati, I understand losing Burrow. But they've got a real squad. It seems to me they got a better team than Indianapolis taking the quarterback out of it. All right, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, you can listen to him on Bet the Process. He and Rufus do that show every week. And this week's picks with Carville and Ma have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. <laughs> this 
actually got a very Swiss feel to it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Very Swiss. <laughs> With an accordion. Lovely. Just trying Dancing to get, get back to Kevin for Christmas. That's Kelly Vickstrom Hoy. Thank you, Kelly. That's just absolutely wonderful. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel read for us? Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, boy, the way Glenn Miller played songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. That is a tribute, of course, to All in the Family. And so it is a tribute to the late, great Norman Lear, who lived 101 years and changed television. Yes. Changed television. I got in this semi-argument over emails with my friend David, who says that the greatest character of all time was Ralph Cramden and then Tony Soprano. And I said, the greatest character on TV of all time was Archie Bunker. And I pointed out, (coughs) as great as Ralph Cramden was, that was a, a circumstance with Ralph Cramden and his wife and Ed Norton and his wife. And so it was one generation. But the Archie Bunker thing had children involved in it as well. It had meathead. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was larger and it reached out on different social levels. And I'm not knocking Ralph Cramden. I'm not stupid. That's fantastic. But if I had to isolate one character, and it wouldn't be Tony Soprano, even with all the layers and complexities... It would be Archie Bunker. It would be Archie Bunker to me. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Jason Lock and Fora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsors today. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. So we have a wedding. When is the wedding? Tomorrow or today? Tomorrow, I believe. The wedding is tomorrow. And this comes to us. This is Leslie and Tim. And Tim Ford. And I think, you know, somebody's name is Harrison. So it's like Harrison Ford on some level. <laughs> you know, We're going to the Harrison Ford wedding, yes. Yeah, so it's Leslie and Tim, and I don't have Leslie's last name. I don't know if, I don't know. Maybe she's Leslie Harrison. Yes. And maybe it's Tim Ford. Maybe that's how it works, but it's not specific. Anyway, it's tomorrow at 1.30 in the afternoon at Our Lady of Lords in Bettendorf, Iowa. And Tim writes, please block your calendars for a weekend of great golf at TPC Deer Run and our wedding in the Quad Cities this December. The course won't be open, but the woman to whom I'm soon to be related by marriage works on the much-derided-by-you John Deere Classic and can probably get you out in the balmy, sub-freezing morning to knock out a round or two. Maybe she can get us that private jet. Yeah, on a bring it over today. On a more serious note, I'm a 30-year-old little listening since the early podcast delay days. I want to thank you for the place in my life filled by you and Jeannie and Nigel and David and Gary, Lace, Liz, Tori, Michael, among others. I won't pretend my fiancé has become a little, but your show is top three least hated for her that I listen to. <laughs> so we wish them, of course, all luck. And I'm looking at, it, is it possible it could be Leslie Caron? I don't think it's Leslie Caron. I don't think she's still with us. <laughs> I think she is, actually. Is it? Yes. Is she, uh, it, it, it's the Ford. She, yes, 92 years so young. So good for her. Yes. All right, so uh, I should read some emails, right? Sure. So this is from Pat Patton in Hedgeville, West Virginia. In studio for PTI, what was Carol hosting a Tupperware party? <laughs> Get out. I walked, in, I walked into Columbia yesterday, and a friend of mine who shall remain nameless on this program right now just looked at me and said, you were coerced, right? I said, no. <laughs> you know, I was slightly coerced, yes, but I wanted to do it, you know. From DG, Mazel Tov, I'm being back in the studio. How was the traffic? Send Bonnie regards. When we met at Jingle Fest, she didn't think I was a real person. No regards, DG. Uh, Brandon Borzelli, Lebanon, New Jersey. With your return to PTI's set, it must have felt like a homecoming. Not dissimilar to the Billy Bats get out of jail party in Goodfellas. Hopefully you didn't tell some young Cliffy to go home and get their shine box. From Shad. Occasional is infinitely better than one time only thing. Yeah, it's it's not one time only, you know, but it's occasional. It's not regular. First and last annual golf tournament? <laughs> well, yeah, that was we had that was a one shot. What was that called? Oh, uh, like fag, fag lap. Hmm? Fag lap. Fag lap. Yeah, that's right. Uh, George Millay, when I was a kid and one of us would ask my father if some particular celebrity was dead, my father would say, well, if not, they're grievously wronged the man because they've buried him. Well, I'm sure you've got one million six of these missives. Marion Ross is 95 and neither dead nor buried. Yes. She remains an active supporter of community theater in Southeast Minnesota, where I lived a few years ago. I didn't know that. I guess we had that wrong. We had that wrong. Yes. From Wynn Mossman. Fonz me, Fonz you. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, from Kyle Tomini or Tomini in Canton, Georgia. You're 100% correct about Henry Winkler. He's possibly the nicest and most approachable celebrity I've ever encountered. He boarded a flight of mine a number of years ago and stopped me as I was walking up the jetway to ask me about the weather 
in Atlanta since he had a connection there. I comforted him as to his ability to make the connection in Atlanta. I then asked him if he minded if I got a picture with him, and he ever so graciously accommodated me. Took the picture as if we'd been friends since childhood. He then occupied his aisle seat in first class and accepted the greeting and adoration of most everyone who boarded. He didn't shy away from the fame that made him one of our country's most cherished actors. It's very nice. La Cheeserie and Fonz, you too. And here's the picture. Isn't that nice? And Kyle's a pilot, of course, and it's just lovely. It's just lovely. Um, from Andrew Carton in Salisbury, Maryland. I listened to your show yesterday for the first time. My son, Ben Carton, was helpful in getting the show to play two songs by our cousin Donnie Most. Awesome. You should know that, like Henry Winkler, Donnie is a down-to-earth, humble, all-around person. By the way, Marion Ross is still with us. Thanks. That's very nice. <laughs> yes, that is nice. From Bob Harbaum in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So you say you like Bobby Goldsboro, but honey stinks. What's left? I take this to mean you're a world-class watching Scotty Grove fan. No, that was terrible, too. I, I can't answer this in the affirmative. I, I don't have anything for you. From Jeff Jackson, Dear Grandpa, for your consideration, in 1970, the band The Buoys released the song Timothy. The song describes a mine cave-in in the aftermath with the implication that the two survivors cannibalized their companion. Timothy, where on earth did you go? Remarkably, this tune reached number 17 on the Billboard Top 40. Ah, simpler times. <laughs> From Ann Gilpin awesome. in Roxbury, Connecticut. I know it's sacrilege, but Michelle My Bell by the Beatles always makes me want to throw up when I hear it. It's not sacrilege. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not a good song. It's a terrible song. Harry in Abbottstown, Pennsylvania. Inagata de Vida. Iron Butterfly. That's it. That's the list. It's bad, but it's not the worst ever. Uh, Andrew in Monroe, Michigan. We built this city by Starship. Is so bad. It is bad. The Jefferson had to leave the name of the band. It's so bad I'd rather boil my ears in a bit of milk full fat that I'll warm in the microwave. That is it. That's the list. Yeah, that's a dreadful Matt tune. Vogel, Coventry, Connecticut. Having heard the email suggest that Escape by Rupert Holmes is the worst song ever recorded. I'd like to second that nomination with some supporting evidence. Several years ago, I heard an interview with Rupert Holmes. He actually has an impressive resume. He absolutely he does. He worked with Barbara Streisand for a long time. Oh, okay. Time. I did not know that. He's worked on movie scores. He's done music for network television. As I recall, he has awards for his commercial work. The interviewer asked how someone will read all of that and then say, yeah, all that's great, but aren't you the guy that did the Pina Colada song? To his credit, he said, I have a two-part answer to that question. The first part is, yes, I am. And the second part is, I am very, very sorry. <laughs> From Tom Taylor in Knoxville, I've told you of my beagle stealing a hamburger off a friend's plate. New issue. I made my coffee with some flavoring one morning, sat it beside my chair in the living room, walked back into the kitchen for a minute, heard a strange sound, walked back into the living room to see our smallest dog, Peanut, a hound mutt mix, standing on the couch arm, lapping up my coffee. Now, I can't leave a cup of coffee anywhere or he will find it. These stories are the best part of your show. Not sure what that says about sports talk, but I love the mailbag, of course. From Paulie Coconuts, oh, who's Paulie. now in Jersey by way of Key West. Oh, now he's in Winchester. He's still in Winchester then. Okay. As Clint Eastwood's character, William Money, gets ready to shoot Gene Hackman's character, Little Bill. Little Bill says, I don't deserve this. William Money coldly replied, deserves got nothing to do with it. I keep chanting that through all the college playoff segments. <laughs> From Jim in Lutherville. Earlier this week, that's in Maryland, I believe, Lutherville. Yes. Earlier this weekend at other times, Wilbon has referenced his primary text chain. I've made it my goal to become part of that primary text chain. Do you have any advice on how I might? I'm willing to start on the secondary text chain and work my way up. If he has a tertiary text chain, I will have to reassess. I wait your guidance. Yeah. Call Richard Dent, get his number, and put it on the text chain. Yeah. Joe Anderson, Alexandria, Virginia. The Nats just released their giveaway schedule for next season. To celebrate the fifth anniversary of the 2019 championship season, they will be handing out replica World Series rings to the first 20,000 fans April 20th when the Astros are in town. Oh, that's wonderful. That's perfect, isn't Love it? That's it. wonderful. Probably been holding on to them since 19. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. From Tad Lyman in Dallas, Texas. So Liz is a self-reported 6'3". What? I had the over-under on him at 5'7". Please confirm or deny. Also, I'm equally incredulous that he sat in con economy for a transatlantic flight. I am, too, about that. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I believe that. Well, gotta, yeah, he's big. you got to use probably, those uh, credit card points and get yeah, the upgrade. Yeah. yeah, the kids probably did. From Steve the Sycophant, here's my annual holiday concert plug request. On Saturday, December 16th, that's next Saturday. Yeah, a week from Saturday. At 4.30 p.m., the Fairfax Wind Symphony will play at Bishop Iredon High School in Alexandria, and a toy for tot will be appreciated. On Sunday, December 17th at 2.30, the Herndon Regional Wind Ensemble plays at Westfield High School in Fairfax County. 
Both concerts are free and will feature all sorts of toe-tapping holiday numbers, including some Hanukkah songs, one of Tony's favorite childhood toys, the dreidel. Come one, come all. As always, I'll be available afterwards for autographs and discussions about the vital importance of third trumpet players to a band's performance. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to everyone, Steve. Yeah, swing by the Krispy Kreme. Oh, yes. Andrew Flowers in Lexington, South Carolina. I hope to shed some light on the pecan-pecan debate. A good friend's father-in-law is a big-time pecan distributor in the South. So much so, he's referred to as the pecan king of Georgia. So it's no sausage king of Chicago, but I digress. (laughs) My buddy asked him once what the (laughs) pronunciation controversy, and his royal nutness said, quote, it is whatever the customer says it is. So again, as always, the answer to all of your questions is money. From Kevin Disher in Bay City, Michigan. Not where the Bay City Rollers are from, though. I don't think. I'm not sure where the Bay City yeah. I have to look that up. My wife and I are watching Jeopardy right now, and a contestant named Kate was just introduced as being from a, home, from a town in Michigan called Lake Orion. Ken Jennings nailed the pronunciation. Man, I hope you just screwed it up again. No, I think it's Lake Orion, right? Or Lake Orion. Or it's Lake Orion. Um, Bay City Rollers, or origin, Edinburgh, Scotland. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were from... Ooh, um... As a long-time little, this is from, wow, this is really weird, TK Way. Uh, as a long-time little, listen to your podcast. I'm aware of the many worldwide honors you've received in your illustrious career. It was recently called to my attention, however, though, and there's a sign that says TK Way. It's a, it's a road sign under Crystal Flash. It's TK Way. It says, my town of North Webster, Indiana, former home of the International Palace of Sports, founded by, among others, the late ABC broadcaster Chris Schenkel, has chosen to honor you. The attached photographs show the name of a local street, TK Way. You will see that the signs refer to North TK Way. I have yet to locate South TK Way. <laughs> However, I'm sure this was named in honor of you, as when I pulled over to take photographs, I received a TK salute from one of the residents of the street. I'm sure a parade in your honor can be arranged if you let us know when you're next stopping in. The street is only about 400 yards long. I figure that even at parade speed, we're only taking 90 seconds of your time. Thank you for all the many hours of entertainment and enlightenment you and the crew provide. And as a loyal alumnus of George Washington University, Edith Saliza, J.A. Richter. It's got, it's a street sign. Well, it's either for you or Tim Kirkshin, right? Sure, it could be anybody. TKA is probably filled with potholes. Well, let's get <laughs> let's it fixed hope, then. Let's, let's hope not. Let's repair it. If you're out on your bike time, everyone is always to wear white. Are you waiting for a special invitation? I said breakfast is on the table. I heard you.
Your look has got the impact you need 